0: Hi listeners and viewers, um, I wasn't sure whether or not to put what I think is going to be a really juicy conversation onto the Better Boulder Braver podcast or the new Francis Fogel Story Strategist podcast. So you'll be delighted to hear that I've decided to put it onto both um, yeah. and because I think both of my audiences will get a lot out of this conversation and i I won't go into why because it's all going to come out and wash um but welcome joe portsmouth to both the better bolder braver podcast and also the francis vogel story strategist podcast um i'm going to ask you in a second to tell us where you are what you do and about the pretty amazing course that you have built and what the purpose of it is. Uh, Before before you do that, I'm just going to say that Joe and I are new friends and I would call Joe part of what Simon and I call our marketing family. Um, And that is to say those around us in the world of uh, good ethical marketing who are teaching people to put themselves out there with more clarity, confidence, and joy uh, that's the kind of person that we have on the Better Boulder Braver podcast, but on the Francis Fogel Story Strategist podcast, and I should say not that, or therefore Joe, I should say. <laughs> uh, we can—that's a little in joke that Joe will understand, and maybe can explain <laughs> on later. Right. Uh, on that podcast, my purpose is to profile both brilliant companies. That, uh, that I think are doing what good looks like in terms of storytelling, but also to pro- to profile those experts in the storytelling space who can help companies understand how they can capitalize on heritage stories and use them as I would like them to see, as I would like to see them uh, using stories across, not only marketing a brand, but also employee wellbeing, customer retention, and community outreach and care hence I wanted you to be on both of those podcasts Mm -hmm. so I'm going to stop waffling now Mm -hmm. over to you how are you arriving where are you what do you do and why
1: yeah well first thanks for having me uh didn't know that I was going to be on both so that's uh, pretty cool um yeah so I am I'm based out of New York City um I've lived here Pretty much my entire life in new york uh and i work at a company called beard club um which is a subscription e-commerce brand uh for guys that um want to grow their beard so either they struggle with beard patchiness or they just their beard grows slow in general uh, most of our customers are coming to grow a bigger thicker beard um so there, I'm the Senior Director of Customer Retention, so that's my nine to five. And then, I, th- I mean, the re- the main reason that we probably got connected was because of all the things that I'm working on on the side. Um, So I've been writing online on Twitter and LinkedIn for the last two years um, about copywriting. Started a newsletter uh, about a year ago that's at 15, just over 15,000 subscribers uh, on the topic of copywriting and storytelling and recently launched that course um, uh, about a month or two ago uh, on the topic of how to use storytelling in copywriting. And so I think you could correct me if I'm wrong but that. That was probably the main reason that we ended up getting connected, right?
0: Yeah, I started following people who were talking about storytelling um, in my effort to uh, research ahead of launching this new business of mine. Francis, right. a storyteller, strategist, um, and you really jumped out <laughs> as somebody <laughs> who was just kind of geeking out and getting quite scientific and providing some really helpful guidelines for people. And I, I yeah, there's a lot about storytelling, um, isn't there? And yeah, I think one of the one of the things that I want to make a point about to people listening is that. It's not necessarily that what Joe and I stand for, or rather, what I don't think what we're saying is we're doing anything terribly new. Um for my for my from my side, I see a lot of people using storytelling in marketing a lot. And mm-hmm. then only using it in silo. And it's such a waste because the stories that people are telling for marketing purposes are not being used for customer retention and loyalty and a sense of inclusion and not being used for employee well-being, and not being used in their community outreach strategies. And apart from anything else, it's such a waste of money to spend so much money on your marketing and branding to tell this fabulous story. If you're not then going to just simply capitalize on the same story to inform the strategies across the other three areas mm-hmm. of practice, there's something that sort of feels a bit sinister and sort of unethical about using a story and marketing all over the place and not making sure that it's carrying through into everything else that you're doing. Um, So for me, it's not, oh, I'm a new fabric, you know, storytelling, no one's ever heard of it. You know, I know that everyone's talking about it. And I think, you know, what I see from you and do correct me if I'm wrong, is that you also are not saying, I am bringing you something that's never been done before what you do is break it down and I think your course is so brilliant so I do want you to talk about that now um just kind of making it bite-sized making it palatable for people who for whom storytelling perhaps is you know this kind of mysterious and and scary thing that they think they can't do
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I I was definitely probably in that bucket for a long time because I When I think of storytelling, historically, I've always thought of 500 page Harry Potter books and, you know, fiction novels and all that type of stuff. Um, You don't really think about the shortest form of that, which is really uh, just taking one person from point A to point B and there's a transformation along the way or they overcome some challenge or conflict along the way and that's like really what the heart of a story is all about and so there are ways to get elements of storytelling into your copywriting in a much shorter and condensed way that i never really thought about until i I started studying it a lot more um and, and so that that's kind of the one of the misconceptions that i had before studying storytelling to where I'm at now. And I, I can just see the difference in how the the writing transforms after you know having that mindset shift. Mm.
0: So I think you've just touched on something that I actually haven't really thought enough about Joe. So I'm really grateful to you for it, which is simply the case that one can become incredibly, well, one can become hopefully a lot more confident in many other areas when one becomes better at storytelling it's not just the stories that get better Mm -hmm. is what I'm hearing you say or maybe I'm just reading too much into what you're saying
1: um yeah could you maybe uh, elaborate a little bit more on what you're saying
0: I'm thinking about what it feels like and we're going way off piste here so I don't want to spend too long on this but I think what just came to me whilst listening to you was the more and more you tell good stories, mm-hmm. the, more, the more interested people might be in you.
1: I think uh, that is definitely true from my experience of writing online, like building a personal brand. Sounds icky. <laughs> I've, I, that was another misconception I always had. I, I've never been definitely an introvert never been one to talk about myself and and, but what I've learned over the last two years is that when you're writing online to other people whether that's me posting on my own LinkedIn channel or my profile or it's me writing for the beard club um, telling stories is how you better connect with the audience whether that's as a brand or as a person. Uh, So I like I have the experience of doing both. And you can see um, how it how it changes the way that people interact with the brand. Uh, Well, yeah, whether that's you or an actual business, um, because it it makes you more relatable stories is, is, at the end of the day, it's like about connection, being more relatable. um, And then that's what builds that better relationship with your your audience and your customers.
0: Really like that, thank you. So let's get back on peace. Oh, one more question on that. So how did it feel to you to go from working in marketing to having 15,000 followers? How did that make uh, you feel as a human being?
1: It, it was weird. I mean, it's, I, I had started and stopped when, trying to grow a following on Twitter uh, maybe three years ago, got zero traction, then came back at it two years ago with a different mindset and approach and saw a lot more success. Um, So when I think about myself now and what I do versus where I was at two to three years ago, it's like a completely different life talking to 15,000 people in a newsletter, 25,000 people on LinkedIn and 50,000 people on Twitter. Uh, it's it's pretty, pretty weird to think that like those numbers could fill up a football stadium. <laughs> uh, it just doesn't seem, and it's just, I'm just talking about copywriting and storytelling and stuff like that.
0: So modest, um, <laughs> charming, modest. Does that make for a good story? Tell us what's in the what's in the tell us about the story writing playbook. What is it? How did you why why was it born?
1: Um, the the way that it was born was I I don't want to, I don't want to work a nine to five forever. So I've like over the last two years, everything I've been doing with writing online is just thinking about you know what's the highest leverage thing that I could do outside of my full time job. I don't think I have the energy or um, time to build a business on the side. So I thought I enjoy writing. So I'll, I'll start writing online and see where that takes me. And then as my following grew, I thought, okay, then you know, what's the next step here? How can I monetize that audience? And I knew that would be through courses. Um, or that, that was at least one avenue that I wanted to try out. And so next thing that I needed to decide was what's the biggest problem that my audience faces or what, what's a the topic they're most interested in? And I had been writing my newsletter for maybe six months or so. And in every newsletter, I share, in addition to like a deep dive on one topic, I share um, about five links or so on different topics of copywriting. So there's one link for storytelling, one for how to use psychology and copywriting, one about just general copywriting principles, one about frameworks, um, and stuff like that. And then I noticed every single week, almost without fail, the most clicked on link was the storytelling related article or tweet or whatever I was sharing. And so there was a clear interest uh in storytelling from my audience um so then i started to reach out to people and just ask them more about like why are you interested in storytelling why why uh why is this topic resonating and i think it kind of goes back to a lot of the things we talked about earlier where um, brands and or solopreneurs that are just uh trying to build a business for themselves they want to build deeper relationships with their customers or their fans or their followers and so you know naturally uh, I wanted to combine those things together and for me storytelling uh in copywriting was the way to do that because um you know when you tell stories it it feels less like marketing and I think you know something that goes around people talk about is like the best marketing doesn't really feel like marketing and I think stories are a great way of doing that and stories are a great way of selling without really selling and so all of the emails leading up to my course i i wasn't really hard selling anybody i was just telling stories about my journey of using stories in copywriting and then that is what eventually like it's it's almost like kind of meta where i, I sold people on how to sell with stories and then that was what, what the course was about and showed them how to do the same thing um but yeah that, that was kind of a long-winded answer but um that, that's kind of how it was all born really
0: so I want you to if you can uh just maybe if you, I, I don't know how you'd feel about this because of course one needs to buy the course
1: mm-hmm.
0: um and it'd be good if you could share here how people can do that how much it is and how long you think it takes to get through and what you get as a result of it mm-hmm. But I would like if you don't mind, and I think, you know, this is good promotion for the course to actually just go through what each chapter, each module and each chapter covers so that people yeah. get a sense of how to break down what you need to do to write a good story. Yeah. We're not just talking in, in, in sort of theoreticals that nobody really understands. So mm-hmm. what's the, what's, what's the breakdown of the course, please?
1: yeah that I'm a very systematic like driven person so that that's the I'm happy to do that Uh, and that's like kind of how I designed the course is with that kind of mindset Um, so I broke it down into four parts Um, the first chapter is is the most theoretical uh, of the four so it's what are the top storytelling techniques um, uh, and just general things to know about storytelling that, what, like what makes a good story. And one you kind of like alluded to with your inside joke earlier was um, this, but therefore concept um, where a good story has uh conflict in it. And when you're telling a story, if you just, Look at the way that it's sequentially building up if there's a lot of and then this happened and then this happened and then this happened. That's not the the blueprint for a very compelling story. And I, I learned this from the the guys who created South Park that this is one of their techniques that they're famous for. And so if you just go through your story and you start seeing a lot of and thens and you replace them with but therefores um, that it signals a change or a shift and that is what makes stories compelling. It's that like up and down, uh, nature. Um, so that that's like one example of one of the techniques or principles that I talk about, um, in that first chapter. And then chapter two is all about how to find story ideas because, um, you know, like, Another thing that was a misconception that I had was I don't have a story to tell, and I, I I hear that from a lot of people that I talk to when it when it comes to using storytelling in copywriting, and I I've learned that that just like couldn't be farther from the truth. Uh, everyone has stories to tell, and I think people get caught up on. I, I I always go back to this idea of like people think of storytelling as this complex complex Harry Potter novel with 50 characters and all of these, you know, intricate details. And really the things that I think people relate to the most is the, the basic stuff. Like, you know, one example that I share in the course is every single day I have this uh, like story journal where at the end of every day I write, yeah, yeah, that that book. Yeah. Um, I write down one or two stories from the day that stood out and if I'm ever looking for a story idea, I can flip through that as one I as one way of thinking of story ideas to, to tie back um to the reader. So, like an example of that could be um, you know, one one writer that I, I read his newsletter. He was talking about this copywriting concept of using visual language to persuade uh people to buy or to do something to take action and he talked about um a story of him going to the dentist and so instead of him just giving you the the plain description of this is how you use visual uh language in your copy these are some examples he doesn't set it up that way he sets it up with a story he just goes right into him saying i was at the dentist and uh he was telling me that how important it is to floss. And, um, and he's like using all of this dialogue where he's talking about how the dentist is talking to him while he's got all these tools in his mouth and he's trying to respond back. And he's like, his, his words are muffled because he's got like uh 15 to like something in his mouth. And he's describing that in his writing. Um, And then that that type of visual storytelling, you can picture him sitting in the chair with the tool in his mouth, trying to have the conversation. And then the dentist says, uh, when you don't floss, it leaves these little pieces of bacteria that build up and it's like uh, termites for your teeth. And that termites for your teeth language is what persuades him to start flossing more often. And so like I, I think about that example as, um, you know, how do you, like the story of him just going to the dentist, something that everyone can relate to, he used that to then talk about and explain this, you know, maybe boring copywriting principle. Um, so that's like kind of where chapter two is all about is like there's stories all around you and you just have to um, find ways to document them and use them in your copywriting Um, And then chapter three is all about frameworks. So taking your ideas and the principles from the first two chapters and putting them into proven frameworks um, that lead to a good story. So one of them that I use in the course is before after bridge. And that's one of my favorite ones to use because it it highlights that transformation because it shows you where someone started. where they got to and what led them to get there. Uh, and that's pretty much the the recipe for any story. Um, and then the fourth chapter is me walking through all of the first three chapters with actual students of the course. So I had four students sign up for the the beta version of the course and I hopped on phone calls with them. And they explained Scenarios were like different types of scenarios where they needed help with their copywriting. So one person uh, was running a B2B business and he needed help with uh, using storytelling in a landing page. Another guy um, wanted to write better newsletters uh, that sold his coaching program. And so I, I took their situations and applied the frameworks and uh, the process that I've outlined in the the first three chapters, and you can see how it all comes together in uh, you know a relatively short amount of time to to write a, an email for it or a landing page.
0: Awesome, thank you. And I think there's just a two. Uh, there were two references in there that I just want to expand on for listeners or watchers. The first is um, I think it's Eddie Schleiner's uh, Yeah, How to Write Good Copy. Uh, newsletter is it not that you yeah uh, yeah
1: very good copy as the name very of it
0: good copy that's it <laughs> um, yeah. yeah I've also been following Eddie for a while and I also recommend his newsletter um mm-hmm. second and that's the the dentist story isn't it yeah yeah and then it's really funny because when I was working through your course myself and you came to this bit I was like that book so this book the story behind this book for me and for anyone who's listening on the podcast i'm holding up a book which is um also referenced in joe's course and it's called one line a day a five-year memory book and there's a link to it in joe's course you can buy it on amazon and probably in other places if you prefer cool. um It's by Chronicle Books, published by Chronicle Books. Each page in this keepsake journal features space to record the events of the same calendar date over the course of five years. As the pages fill, you'll discover happy coincidences and relive forgotten moments, adding unexpected joy to all your days and years. Now, this book was bought for me by a really good friend for my husband, as part of my husband and my wedding present and I'll be honest that was eight years ago by the way (laughs) literally done nothing with it absolutely nothing I haven't done I haven't even put my name in the if found please return to bit which is easy (laughs) I haven't even done that so doing your course alone never mind the wonderful other prompts that come out of it has meant that I'm really excited about starting my one-line-a-day book because, um, and with no offence intended to my husband, rather than accounting for every fabulous day of our marriage, which now looking back would have been a really good idea because in that time we've had two children, we've navigated COVID, I've also given birth to two new businesses, so shame that I didn't bother but I think what I want to do now is, inspired by your in- advice in the course, write down the most mundane thing so that oh. looking back, so starting with 2020, it'll be 2024 because I'm a bit I'm a bit OCD and I, I just can't possibly start it before January the 1st. So <laughs> I'm going to have to wait oh. however no. many weeks before then. But, you know, just write down the most mundane thing see if there is anything that comes up over the five years that kind of brings them together um, and use them as you suggest as mm-hmm. a way, of, you know, just sort of picking a date at random and seeing if a story can come out of it. So I really appreciated that and I would also encourage people listening to think about, if not buying the book, just simply somehow journaling and um, one line a day. It's a lovely idea. Um where's the course, Joe? Where where can one get the course? How much does it cost?
1: Um so the what I'm trying to do right now is like multiple launches of it. So I launched it for a limited time at the end of September and shut it, shut the doors at the end of September. Um, So you can't buy it anywhere right now. Um, but what I plan to do is, uh, you know, it's been about one month since students went through the course. I'm going to set up some calls with students to like get more feedback since it was the first iteration of it. So I want to get feedback from people. What was most helpful? What was what was great? What, what needs work? Uh, and I want to keep iterating on it um, for future launches. So uh, the next launch of it would probably be some point at the beginning of next year, just uh, as I, I get through Black Friday, Cyber Monday at work. Um, but the the course is $197. Um and yeah, I, I plan to do multiple launches of it uh just to keep refining it and, and make it as good as possible um over time.
0: Cool. So um it's interesting actually that we're I can't help myself. We look after coaches in the Better World or Braver community who will often come up with a really good idea for a course as yeah. part as a product within their coaching business. And we um call coaches people helpers. So we're not particularly religious either about whether or not you have a coaching qualification, because that's not our job. And there are some really amazing organizations. Um, the ICF, you know, the Association for Coaching is. very close to in the uk uh whose job it is to to invite coaches who want to call themselves coaches to consider getting a qualification so we don't we don't step on their toes the other thing is that we like to sort of democratize the people helper community and a lot of people can't afford or don't choose to buy into the kind of coaching uh, framework and still have a lot to give to the world and they're welcome in the better world of brave community so those people helpers, those coaches that we have as members as i say are thinking about many ways that they can help and one of them is is course creation and i have a couple of um, questions to you as a people helper that feel to me like the kind of questions that i might ask one of our community members or um one of my kind of one-to-one clients so if you don't mind I'm quite curious and I think listeners will also be interested to hear what um what do you see the course being part of in terms of a bigger picture for you let's say you didn't have to do a nine-to-five job anymore would the course be all there was or what else are you imagining what's the story that you have in your mind about what else you'd be you'd like to do with it or what else around it you'd like to do
1: yeah definitely it would be more um like live conversation so the course is fully um passive right now so you can yeah and you had mentioned this earlier it takes like 60 to 90 minutes to get through it all together i talk really slow so i i recommend everyone watches it on (laughs) one and a half or two X speed to, so you can get through it really quickly and in about an hour or so. Um, and that, that was some feedback that I got was that everyone uh, enjoyed how quick and succinct it was and like straight to the point uh, and that it was still easy to understand on two X speed. Um, but uh, yeah, what what I see it developing into is more, yeah, more, more conversations and like more of a community. So I would love to, Turn it into a place where, um, you know, people who take the course uh, can then, you know, be part of this ongoing community where we either have weekly sessions or we have a like some sort of Slack group or whatever where people can just pop in and ask their questions or bounce ideas off of each other related to copywriting and storytelling in general, um, because it's an it's a never ending practice really. And I know that I'm, I'm thinking about it every day at work and, uh, having other people to, to just discuss the challenges with and work through it together. That, that type of feedback is always super beneficial. Um, but yeah, I, I don't have the time to to manage that community. I've tried to do a community in the past, uh, with while working full time and it, it's way more work than I could have ever imagined. So, um, if there's a time when I'm not doing that nine to five and the I have the time to do that community, I think that is one of the next things that I would consider. Um, yeah, set some sort of like group atmosphere around the the topics that are taught in the course.
0: I I really want to help you <laughs> to build this thing, so I think it would be great. But I yes, obviously agree that running a community is no mean feat, and I have a business partner. Um, and certainly in the first early days when you are trying to create the right space, um, you know, it's a very important time to be very intentional about that space. Yes. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. I think a lot of the people, so another thing Joe talks about in the course, which those of you in the Better World or Braver community or anyone that follows us frankly will be aware of is that we talk all day long about something called the journey of consciousness uh which is five levels of awareness and joe also talks about it in the course um and one of the things we realize is that our community members are not aware that what they really need is to not be working alone as coaches um what they want is to know how to do good ethical marketing and they see that we have a course ourselves the uh, coaches marketing journey course which is a 70 video course which we host on Mighty Networks Joe hosts his course on Kajabi which is another really good course platform mm-hmm. um, and that's what people tend to buy into just as they would with Joe's course, how to do good storytelling, how to do good ethical marketing. It's when they get there and they come to the check-in sessions and they come to my reflection and confidence session once a week, which is sort of like therapy for people trying to do marketing. Uh, that's when they realise that actually it's it's the doing of marketing together or the doing of storytelling together and the opportunity to kind of look at what I call what what is known widely um, as the shadow side of things. Um, and you know, I'm always keen for people to talk about how it really is making them feel to put themselves out there in the world. And similarly, another thing I'm a little bit I was moved to start Francis Fogel Storytelling Strategist because of is there's so much about what are the positive stories that you can tell about your brand and how fabulous you are, and what where's space for the shadow side? Where's the space, both intimately and privately to to talk to somebody about some of the stuff that you're perhaps not proud of, or that your you know heritage represents that you're not particularly proud of, or the business that you've been building hasn't been very good at? And is that enough? do you are you enough just to talk about in private, or indeed would you like to be able to talk about that in public and own it? And I think that's really important. Otherwise, we just continue to whitewash in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, So for me, the community also is a place for people to be able to kind of play with things that might be a bit delicate before they put them out there in the world. And I dare say that's probably what you're thinking as well, isn't it? Because talk to us a little bit about that, the shadow side of stories. And maybe we can allude to people like Brene Brown and vulnerability and what it is to kind of decide what are your boundaries when you're storytelling can you maybe talk to us about your experience or research around that
1: yeah two 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 thoughts popped into my mind while while you were like bringing up these points one I think uh social media in general feels like um it's like a popularity contest or it's it's like who's winning the most at life uh and one thing that stands out is when people share their challenges or their struggles, because that is a lot more relatable than this is how I I'm making a hundred thousand dollars a month, uh, like those types of posts. Um, and so when people open up about struggles and challenges that they're going through, I think that those types of posts probably more than anything build deeper relationships with uh, their audience or their customers It's a little different for I guess a business, like, I I don't know if, uh, you know, at the beard club, we would we would, we would be writing about, you know, the challenges we're facing at, like on the marketing team or stuff like that. But what we would talk about would be, um, you know, the challenges of growing a beard. So how we, how the founder or the, the CEO, you know, came up with the idea because they struggled with growing a beard in their lives, like that type of content, I think, plays really well. And it the the key thing about it is that it has to be authentic. Um because when it's like people can sniff uh inauthentic content a, a mile away. Um so when you do it right, like telling stories about, you know, your real challenges and struggles that you're going through come makes you come off as more relatable, not perfect. Uh and I think that's really important when you're telling stories. Um online um and then uh, another thought I had was like when you you talked about like being vulnerable in communities um one one story that I had is uh I I created uh, another course before the storytelling one uh about a year before yeah a, a year ago um before this last one and it was about how to use email marketing um, for your e-commerce business because that's what I do in my nine to five. Um, so when I was building the wait list for that course, I initially really struggled. My audience was a lot smaller at the time. Um, I had 10,000 followers on Twitter and I think that was pretty much it. Uh, so in order to get into this um, program on maven where maven is this cohort uh have you heard of maven it's um it's like a cohort based learning platform where all the the courses are like live um like you show up one hour a day for a week and you learn the course from the person teaching it um so i tried doing one of those and uh in order to get into their program where they teach you how to develop a cohort based course I needed to get a certain number of waitlist signups. And I was really struggling to get those signups from Twitter. And I was thinking of giving up. And so I'm talking to my friends in a group chat of, you know, 10 to 15 other creators that are like working on the same types of things. And I said, you know, I'm really struggling with this. And like, I think I'm just going to give up and not go through with the course. And then, you know, multiple people just say like, you're crazy, like keep going, try this, try that. This worked for me. Like that type of feedback pushed me to keep going and keep taking shots of it. And then I was like, pretty much the next post that I made went viral, got a couple thousand likes and then easily helped me hit my wait list goal. Um, so it's like, when I think about the community aspect that we're talking about, um where you're sharing challenges that you're going through with other people who are going through the same types of things, um having that you know that support system really makes a difference uh sometimes and so I, I think there's a lot of value in that
0: thank you thank you what an interesting story about maven i i sort of have a number of thoughts on it and concerns mm-hmm. <laughs> that you're pressured into having a certain amount of
1: reason. well yeah uh, they they wanted to be uh... The, the the program is free, so they, they want right. to make it as, as like they want to make sure that everyone who's joining is qualified and is going to stick with it. And so I, I actually do think it's a it's a pretty good system that they have to make sure that the, the people that come in are committed to doing it and they're going to stick with it. And because it is like that that program in itself, I don't even know if they're still doing it because it was a year ago, but that program in itself is a community because. like I'm learning alongside other course creators how to do this for the first time. And so we would break out into sessions and I would learn from other people who are trying to create the same types of courses on different topics. And it was, yeah, it was just like another type of community and support system. So I think having a certain bar for those types of things, uh, um, while you don't want to like, exclude people i I think it makes sense in in that setup
0: yeah no i hear you that's really interesting maybe offline we can talk a bit more about that Mm -hmm. um i have to ask you and for anyone who's not watching the video you need to be aware that joe is sporting a very healthy looking beard so before we've got maybe 10 minutes before we round off and i want to talk to you about email marketing but before we go any further have you used your own product is that why your beard looks like
1: that uh no I actually don't use our I don't use our growth products um but I use our trimmer and our our beard scruff cream uh and the shampoo those are my three favorites um the growth products are really for you know filling in patches which I I don't really I'm fortunate enough to not have had that issue um but yeah, the I think the the trimmer is ironically like we're we're really a a beard growth company. That's where most of our customers come from. But I think we have the best trimmer I've ever used. And I'm not just saying that because I work there. I've tried a lot of trimmers over the years, and this one's really actually really good quality. Um, and then yeah, the, I, I like the cream and the shampoo uh, to make it softer and, and less itchy.
0: I never thought in all my time that I would be featuring a beard trimmer and beard shampoo product
1: yeah.
0: podcasts. So this is a this is a first. Thank you. Um right, back to back to storytelling. Uh we don't talk very much about email marketing, and it's something that I'm thinking about myself at the moment. And uh one of my pet hates is the companies that send you emails to tell you how fabulous they are at writing emails for you and there's absolutely nothing in it whatsoever that's compelling that always end up going in the bin. I did actually recently fall for one of these companies and because they had I thought bothered to do some research into who I was there was not only my name but also which is not very difficult to do but a couple of things in the um email which made me think gosh they've actually bothered to look into me how lovely Mm -hmm. they booked in a call i said you know let's let's have a call then if you really want to do my email marketing for me i'm just about to launch a business it probably is a good idea if i try and build up a, a email list um i got on the call and the person who'd organized the call had double booked and sent their assistant to pitch to me And she had not done any, she asked me to to tell her about myself. And I said, well, I'd find it more helpful if you told me about your product because that's what you are I appreciate you care, but presumably you've done a little bit of research before this call. And she was like, no. And you know, their whole shtick is, you know, we take four to five minutes to look into each client before we write an email if you opt for our human service. Otherwise you can have, triple the amount of people written to if you opt into our AI service which she unashamedly told me was what was probably used to write the email in the first place to me
1: mm.
0: so the first thing just to make people aware of is that AI is and by the way the other thing that Joe and I both massively champion is AI so don't get don't get me wrong uh Joe talks about it in the course funnily enough I was asked to beta test these bad boys, and I'm holding up to the camera storyteller tactics cards, which presumably you've heard of Joe.
1: Oh, no. Oh, these
0: are amazing. So these these guys who design these are my new friends. And I very much urge you and others to check out Storyteller Tactics cards by Pipdex. Um, in fact, there's I have a I have an affiliate link which will give you 30% off Joe and anyone else that would like to purchase them. They're amazing, um, which I'll put in the show notes. Uh, And you can also get that off the Better Boulder Braver website, we have a page dedicated to stuff that makes it easier for coaches to do good ethical marketing and storyteller tactics cards are on there and I'm going to put Joe's course on there if I haven't already. Um, So if you want to give our members a discount let me know Joe and I'll stick the link on. Uh, So, basically, I was asked to beta test the new version of these which is all about archetypes which is another way of looking at how to build good stories but these. Cards without the archetypes alone are as fabulous as the first chapter of Joe's course. Um, And they cover off um, styles of stories, structures of stories, um, functions of stories, recipes for good stories, characters within good stories and concepts within stories. It's really a comprehensive, fabulous product and I highly recommend it for anyone who's battling the stories. Um, I'm about to run a retreat next week and I'm doing storyteller workshops, but I also intend to do a kind of tarot card round the fire type exercise for people on the course using the cards. So they're really fun. Um, So when I was asked to beta test the second version of this uh, product, I had to think of a real life scenario and work through all the new cards. And what I decided to do, having not seen this yet in Joe's course, was um, use chat gpt and i went through everything i'm going to need to do to launch my new business chose a card from the archetype deck and for example said write a love letter to my ideal client in the style of the savior or write and then i said to chat gpt now generate 10 social media posts in the style of and then gave another archetype from the story from the story oh, wow. yeah. and it was so fun and within 45 minutes I had a 33 page document of amazing stuff
1: mm-hmm.
0: to use in to to using content and I think you would probably agree with me that you're always one is always going to need to top and tail and go fastidiously through stuff that chat GPT generates for you in order that you're not just churning out more AI smelling stuff like everyone else. But as you say in the course, it's a really, really nice um, sort of way of generating thought and giving you inspiration. So I want you to talk about that in a sec as well, but I just wanna finish my point um, about emails. She admitted to me she'd used AI. Please be aware people are using AI for these emails. Do not assume if they feel personal that they necessarily are so be discerning about whose emails you read and this is the point that i want you to bring up how can good storytelling inform emails and what's your thought about mass emailing people versus for example taking the time to be really discerning you do great positioning work in the course you know mm-hmm. It's possible, isn't it? Not to have to spend a fortune on, and I don't want to discredit, I'm sure there are fabulous agencies out there, but you don't have to do that. You can do your own emails. You can create wonderful emails and you can build a really good email following without having to get someone to spam 600 people, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Go on. Yeah. To to your first point, I I love using chat GPT for idea generation um, because really, What you know, one of the toughest things that everyone deals with as a writer is writer's block. And sometimes, like, all you need is one line or one thought that sparks the next thought. And I found Chat GPT to be great at that. Um, Like you said, I would never copy and paste an email uh, straight from Chat GPT because it there, I I haven't really found many great scenarios where I, I think they're delivering. Or it's delivering A plus emails. It's always I'd say I'd categorize them as like they're in the B range. Um, so there's always gonna need to be that like human touch that you add to it. Um, but it'll get you, you know, 80% of the way there, and then you just put your finishing touches on it. Um uh so I, I really like it for just getting started. Um, and then I'll I'll take it from there and kind of weave my own personality into it. Um and then what what was the other the point you were talking about
0: <laughs> i get this all the time simon's like stop bringing up three points and then asking people <laughs> to, ask them to them it's email email marketing
1: oh yeah yeah uh personalization versus not um yeah that that's always something uh that i'm thinking about um you know particularly at beard club i'll, I'll just give a quick example uh we get different types of customers that come through. So most of them are looking for beard growth, and but a lot of them, like myself uh, as a customer, I wouldn't be interested in beard growth. I'd I'd want to learn more about beard grooming. Um, and then we also have customers who uh, are interested in like body trimming or body wash and like uh, the full body experience. So um, you don't want to talk to all those people the same way because they're interested in different things and similar to how you mentioned uh, different levels of customer awareness. Um, I'm not gonna talk to somebody about, um, you know, derma rollers, if they don't know the first thing about what they do or how they work, um, which is like, it's a tool used for beard growth. Uh, So knowing where different people are at is really important. And, um, you know, when, when you're reaching out, like talking about cold email, it's shocking uh, how many people do not personalize emails or they think they're personalizing and doing the you know very bare minimum and um i get so many emails from vendors uh, at work and 99 percent of them are going like you said auto deleted or they're just not really speaking to what i'm truly dealing with or not relevant at all like i i very like if you go to linkedin you very clearly see that i'm working in customer retention at beard club and then I'll get, uh, emails about, you know, how I can improve my paid ad strategy, which is just something that that role would never ever focus on. Um, and so really just taking, like you said, a couple of extra minutes to personalize a message, uh, goes a long way, whether it's in a cold email strategy, or if it's as a business and you're segmenting your customers, um, When someone gets an email and they read it and it feels like it was written just for them, that's when you're going to get the best results in terms of conversion rate and getting people to take action. And so uh, it's something that takes more time than mass emailing everybody, but that time is usually worth the ROI, in my opinion.
0: Thanks, Joe. I think also just mindful of time, we're going to have to wrap up, but so much of what you talk about is the same kind of stuff that we talk about in Better Boulder or Braver. Um, hence wanting to put you on this on that podcast as well as the story te- uh, Storyteller Strategist podcast. Um, yeah, I just want to echo that point. I mean, and something that Simon and I talk about is 100 true fans. You don't need... I mean, Joe's got a ridiculous following. But one thing I do want to make clear is that doesn't mean... That you're, you know, necessarily in life, not Joe, but you know, one is necessarily talking to the right people or saying the right stuff, and you know, I think it can be really overwhelming for people trying to build a business to think they need to have fifty thousand followers. It's just not the case. It's not what we aspire to at all. In fact, the opposite. And, for example, my business model for storytellers strategist is actually to have less than five, I'm not going to tell you how many uh, clients to work with over a year. That's my business model. Um, Uh, I'm going to be doing a lot of content because I want to provide a service that isn't necessarily the paid service that's going to pay my bills, but that the business is in service of, if you see what I mean. but to your point about people reading emails, I mean, rather spend, in fact, an hour crafting a beautiful email to that you can send to maybe 10 people if you just change the name and the job title, do you know what I mean, but who are all in the same boat, who are all potentially having the same problems, challenges, and really feel like you speak to those people and feel, make those people feel seen heard and understood Mm -hmm. Have better conversion rates to use that horrible term and also you're going to attract people that you want to work with and you're not going to have to bat off a load of people that are not for you and so much of what our work is about is identifying your own needs limits wants and boundaries as a people helper so that you can be sustainable and not burn out with a business model that doesn't make sense surrounded by people that are not your people Um, so I it's been a joy having you on the podcast do you have any final thoughts or questions or reflections Joe that you want to leave our listeners with
1: um the you had mentioned since since the if people are interested in the course um anyone that comes through if anyone reaches out to you about it or I can give you a like private link that Since it's not live anywhere, um, if people are interested or not, but uh, either way, I you know if anyone's listening to this and they just want to chat about storytelling in general, um, you can find me on LinkedIn or Twitter and just message me and always happy to talk about this stuff. Um, So yeah, just tell me that you you heard of me through this podcast and uh, we'll find a time to connect.
0: Joe, thank you so much. I'm sure this is not the end of our conversation. Um, and thanks everyone for listening till next time